You're listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast, hosted by Todd Collins and sponsored by Anchor FM. If you haven't listened before, we've got two words for you. Listen up. From digital marketing tips, entrepreneurial stories, and more, you will get the most up-to-date info brought right to your ear. Follow Todd on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, and more at Todd Collins Official. Listen everywhere podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple, Roku, and more. Are you guys ready? Now, your host of Bad Reputation, Todd Collins. Welcome back. I got another pizza guy up on this episode. So, because, you know, we had a couple real estate agents on. Zach Loft was on. He was awesome. Uh, we had uh, Mrs. Chaudry on. She was great. We had, you know, Sally Slices on. He was awesome. But I have not only a local Baltimore boy who went big, but an actual pizza guy with the last name Pizza, Angelo Pizza. What's up, my brother? How's it going, man? It's a pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Very excited for this here. Yeah, I mean, don't be excited for me, man. You were already on Barstool with with, with the Prez and, you know, all this other stuff. I appreciate it. But, uh, but I, I, you know, so let, I always go back and, and discuss, you know, kind of how I come across profiles, right? So everybody knows that I spend, you know, a mass amount of time on TikTok. I am constantly in there looking for, you know, either a great story for the podcasts or really good content that I find interesting. And I came across your, your story slightly first, and it really piqued my interest, not only because I love Baltimore and I love Maryland, you know, deep down, like there's a lot of people that say they love Maryland, but I really truly love this state, um, whether it's for its good or for its bad, but I love the stories that come out of Baltimore. And one of the cool things about it was that the, the pizza place that your dad, and we'll get into this, that your, that your dad originally had, my, my dad, who's 72, who, had, uh, who was always driving around um, in Baltimore for his job, stopped and, and got pizza at your dad's place for years. And now fast forward, you and I are having a conversation via the internet um, and talking about your venture. So I just think it's kind of interesting how things work out and plan out. And it was just, it's really cool. And the video that I saw with your dad and, you know, he's holding you and everything else like that. Um, that's very much me with my kids as an entrepreneur. And it's just something that is constantly happening. And I know, trust me, because I have a lot of friends in the restaurant industry, you know, you're there all the time. Like it is right. when you own a restaurant, it is 100% go all the time. So let's get into a little bit of the history of, you know, how things started for your dad here in Baltimore, where I am, and then kind of how that, you know, that evolved into, uh, you know, your, your decision to go out on your own. So uh, my, my dad's place, it was Angelo's Carryout, if anyone is listening that remembers that. Um, they were really well known for their big slice. That was what put them on the map. They did this massive 18-inch slice of pizza. Um, and they also did the party pie, which was a 32-inch pizza that you could take out. And people would bring it to school parties and everything else. Um, but the slice is what really put them on the map. They opened in 1985. It was my dad and his brother, Tommy. And they both had the last name pizza. Um, it's always been pizza. We didn't change it to pizza. It's even going back to Italy. When you look at the records, it wasn't even changed when we came over. It was always P-I-Z-Z-A spelled just like pizza. Um, and believe it or not, they didn't even use that for their marketing. What really put them on the map was just having banging pizza and their big slice. The big slice brought a lot of people in too. 
later on down the line, it kind of came to be known in the neighborhood and, and locally that their last name was Pizza. Um, but they were uh, they were reviewed big time. They had uh, Best Pizza in Baltimore for a lot of years. They also did cheesesteaks um, and Italian cold cuts, which for my Philly people that are listening to this, uh, it's an Italian hoagie. We call it a cold cut back in Baltimore. Um, but everything was really quality, and that was what they built their brand around. So um, we're kind of saying with the same the same type of vibe up here as well. Now, how many years? How many years were they were they open in Baltimore? They were there for twenty eight years. Wow. Yeah, they um, they closed up in twenty thirteen, um, and they they did a killer business. I mean, they did numbers that people wouldn't believe were coming out of a pizza shop, especially in the nineties, early two thousands. Um, and when things started to get a little rougher in Baltimore, as far as um, taxes and some of the people started to leave the city and there has been kind of that exodus where people have been moving to the County for years now. Um, I think they weren't really in the position with bills and everything to take that type of hit. And they took a massive hit. Um, and, and over a number of years, they, they decided to give it up. Um, but obviously uh, my dad, my uncle has passed, but my dad is over the moon about uh, that. I've been able to get back into this business and he's just like, he really can't believe it. I mean, it's, it's a dream come true for him to see me doing this and to see that it's come so full circle in such like an honest and, and genuine way. Well, it's always a journey. I mean, any dad, right? Like any dad's dream is to, is, is to watch their, not only their, their kids be successful, but even more so. And it's just an egotistical dad thing. Trust me, father, I know when you, when they take the mantle of something that you put your heart and soul into for years, my, my, my dad played pro baseball, um, until he got hurt early on in his life. And, um, I mean, he shoved baseball down my throat, but that was his thing for me. It was like, you gotta play, you're going to go pro and this and everything else. And I obviously it made me quit. I ran from it because I didn't want to play. I played so much, but, um, one of the interesting things that, uh, I like about it is, or the story is, so your dad shuts down the pizza place. You guys moved to Philly then? You guys moved to PA? No, so um, 2013, they shut down. um, And my dad was essentially um, not in a great position. I I came up here to school in 2014, um, and I went to St. Joe's. After I graduated, um, I went back to Baltimore for a little bit. I worked as a mortgage lender. I did that for like six months. Um, It wasn't for me. 21 years old. Um, I don't have a mortgage myself and I'm trying to sell mortgages and it wasn't even a great time, but all that aside, I'm, I'm glad it didn't work out now because um, it got me out of Baltimore. It got me back up to Philly and um, I worked in insurance for a little bit. Insurance was, was not my, my piece. And then obviously um, this whole thing was spurred on with the, uh, with the barstool event. You know, what, one of the things that I find interesting uh, is, you know, especially when you're younger is you, you're in a situation where you're doing something, whether it's getting out of college or getting your first job or whatever it is. And you may, maybe things aren't working out the way that you want them to work out. And what ends up happening is, uh, you, you look at it and you're like, man, I failed. I lost this, that, and everything else. And it's always, I always say that it's going to get better or it always gets better. You just don't realize it yet. And a lot of the times, you know, we blame, whether we blame God or we blame something else, we always, we don't realize that instead of going this way, like the reason he made you fail was to be able to get you somewhere else. And I'm not saying that as a religious person, I'm just stating that we go through our downs 
to get to our ups. We just don't know when the up is actually going to hit. So it's just something to keep in the back of your head. Absolutely. And as long, I really believe that as long as you keep looking for that opportunity, I knew when I was a mortgage lender that it didn't feel right. Um, my, my mom's side of the family is in real estate. So um, I tried to go after that because I, I knew real estate. I grew up around that as well. Um, and I was actually a food marketing major at St. Joe's. So it didn't make any sense for me to graduate and go into my first job as a mortgage lender, but I took it because I thought, Hey, maybe this is going to be a great way to just make a lot of money really fast and go after this. And I'd had sales jobs in college. So I thought it would be probably easier than, than what I was expecting. And um, when things around the six month mark, when I wasn't crushing it the way that I thought I was going to, I knew it was time to move on. And, um, and thankfully I did because here we are now. That's a good, that's a good piece of self-awareness that you, you, like you have this trigger point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm rolling out of this. A lot of people are super skeptical and scared to, you know, to be able to pull triggers on that. All right. So you, you're, you're in college, dad's there, things are done, everything stops, whatever. And then the mortgage thing, the real estate thing, all the stuff. I mean, what was, what was it? I mean, was the pizza thing just like, yeah, I just always, I love fucking pizza, man. And I, and I know it because I grew up around it. Why am I not doing some of this? Did it, what, what was the trigger point where you were like, oh shit, like I'll try this. So it actually happened. So after, after the mortgage loan position, I came up here to Philadelphia. I took um, whatever job I could get and actually landed an awesome job with travelers. I was a property adjuster and I was financially, I, I had no worries. Everything was good. Um, but I didn't love the job and I was really miserable and I was working 12 hours for somebody else. I was working as hard as I do now for me as I was for someone else. And um, I was, you know, kind of getting a nest egg together. And I saw that a place opened up on my street, a commercial space. And I started looking into it thinking, well, how can I squeeze into this place and, um, and turn this into a restaurant? I wasn't even thinking pizza. I was just thinking, I want to be in the restaurant business even when you introduce yourself with the last name pizza, Hey, I'm here to, uh, you know, look at the fire damage on your house. My name's Angela pizza. You know, you get a laugh every time you don't, you yeah. can't be you're never taken seriously. This is the only job I could be in and be taken seriously with the last name pizza. It really is. I 100% agree. If, dude, I would think that you were, it was like some sort of like a punked like episode. You know, yeah, I mean? no. Like, no, you couldn't come up with a better name. No. Man. Come on, man. Right. Exactly. So, um, I started looking at, you know, different opportunities and, and I, I didn't, I wasn't in love with anything and I was, I knew I was going to have to get a lot of investment from someone, even with the nest egg that I had. Right. Um, and then I saw that Dave was doing these unboxings and his address was just out there. And for years I had seen him do other reviews and I'm like, man, I wish Dave could have reviewed my dad's pizza. It's such a shame that I couldn't have gotten Dave to try out my dad's pizza, especially with our last name and everything. I thought he would really love this. Sure. Uh, and then as soon as I got his address, I said, I'm going to make a pizza and I'm going to vacuum seal it, freeze it and mail it to him. And if he opens it, he's going to eat it because he's going to read the letter. If he eats it, I know he's going to like it. And from there, I don't know, you know, how could I not take that opportunity and move forward with it? And it, it kind of happened exactly that way. He opened it. He gave me, I was top five of all the frozen pizzas that he reviewed. And, um, and I literally quit my job two days later and started just selling frozen pizzas out of my house, shipping them out. Um, and when that business was built up enough, it came down here. That, if that isn't a, a 
fucking entrepreneurial story. I don't know what is. That is like straight up. And you know what's funny? The, the one thing that just stuck out in my head that you said was, and I, I got to put this on like an actual recording on the other camera. One of the things that you said that just stuck out to me was you were working harder for someone else or working as hard for someone else as you work for yourself right now. Where does that work ethic come from? Um, just having to do it, man. I've always, I've always had that feeling of that. I need to be a man. I need to provide for myself. As soon as I had turned 18, I, I didn't want to be on any more bills from my parents. Um, I feel really, you know, my parents growing up, my parents were divorced basically since I was one. Um, and I never liked feeling like I was a burden to them. I always wanted to, as soon as possible, feel that independence, pay my own bills and, and be out of their hair. Um, and eventually, you know, take care of them as much as I can. Obviously that's, I feel like that's part of the Italian family unit, right? You take care yeah, of your own, you, you give back. Um, and so I, I, I hate that feeling of feeling like I'm taking from my parents that I have, I need to be propped up by my parents. So um, we really, uh, that was kind of ingrained for me from a young age. And my family's always worked really hard. My mom works her ass off. My dad and his, my uncle, they both worked their asses off at the pizza shop. My grandfather, who was my biggest inspiration growing up, he was a brick mason. Um, it, it just, it, it's in my blood. It's, it's ingrained It's ingrained from you from, from a parenting standpoint. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, doing it for someone else is not is not the best feeling. It's awful. It's awful. And I've, and the, the quicker that a person can figure that out, the better, right? And, and and when we're younger, we have to work for other people. I believe at least it's a good option to work for other people because you can see how a business is run. I've had some really good people that I've worked for. I've been blessed with that. Blessed with the good work either from my parents, the Italian side, hundred percent you're talking about. My dad is, my both my parents, extremely hard workers, man. Like, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but the working for other people is great from an experience standpoint to see how a business is properly run. You know what I mean? How to be the boss. And that's, and I've always kept my eye on those people and and I've always been able to be close to those people too. I've been very lucky from that standpoint. So, all right. So you go into, you get into um, the, the I did want to say on that point too, just for people that are listening to this from like a motivational standpoint, that hardest thing to do is quitting the job. Once you cut that string right there and you know there's nothing propping you up it's sink or swim and if you have that work ethic and if you have that mindset you're going to get the pizzas made you're going to get the pizzas sold you're going to make sure they're shipped out you're going to make sure the money hits your bank account because otherwise you got nothing to pay your mortgage you got nothing to pay your electric bill and you're going down um and that feeling is as hard as it is to think about in your head you gain ultimate job security once you make that jump and you're successful at it. Never have to worry about anybody else paying you again. It's it's the story of burning burning the you know storming the shores and burning the boats, right? You have no exactly. choice. You either take the land or you die. And it's one of those things where you you I always think and this is me, I know for a fact. I've I've always done I've always done my best 
when I'm at my worst. And I, and I know that sounds so weird, but like if I'm on, if I'm on my high horse from a standpoint of things are going great and everything else like that, that's awesome. But every single time that I've been down bankruptcy, divorce, you know, uh, business partners that, you know, fucked me, even though I always take that as my fault, by the way, I, I will say they fucked me, but at the same time, it's my fault for trusting them. That's my, and there are probably things that I did that made that situation happen. But regardless of that, I've always been at my best when my back's up against the wall. And most people don't ever put themselves in that position to see them themselves be their best. And, uh, it's a, it's a great thing when, when you're an entrepreneur and you actually do fail because it shows, and you do it, and then you do it again, and then you fail again. And it shows you that you can recreate, reinvent and redo as many times as you, as you possibly want. And uh, you just have a lot of opportunities and people just need to, to, to do that. They need to understand that there's a lot that they can do with themselves that, um, you know, a lot of the times it's, it's just when they're at their worst and they finally realize how great they actually are. Right. And, and failing really, you know, on that same point, failing is the name of the game. We do yeah. a million, I, I try a million different things when it comes to marketing and, you know, we try different promos and everything. And a lot of them, you know, sometimes they don't get any traction at all. And that's fine because the one that does get traction, that's when you're building up your client base right there. That's when you're building up those regular customers that are going to eat with you every day. And there's no harm in, in, in taking that failure, you know, as long as you're not, overly you're investing all your money into that that one failure and you're putting all your eggs in one basket then that's fine um, because that one success is going to make up for x number of failures and you just keep on trying i'm going to remember you said that so when you do the advertising with my company um you're going to come back on and then you're going to be like holy shit todd was right he wasn't bullshitting me this was real it actually worked um, and you know, and that's where a lot of the, you know, a lot of the, the times now it's funny that we're so, just kind of wrap on advertising for a second and marketing. Um, a lot of the times that I've been, I've been, I was lucky when I got into the restaurant industry with the the people that I work with now, they were all kind of like my age and they were all taking over. It was all the succession plans. They were all taken over for their moms or their dads. And they knew that they had to pivot the the marketing strategy that they were currently on so a lot of them were like either we don't need to advertise because we've got you know this massive following and they were but they were it's like they were like happy just making this much money like they didn't want to make right. more, which really confused me a lot like they were like nope we're good and i'm like you don't want to make more money i don't understand that but it was confusing and then sure, the other sure. ones would be like yeah and then the other ones would be like you know we're, we do radio advertising and we do tv and we do billboards and we do magazines and we, and I'm like, and I would sit there and talk to them and I'm, and I would run them through, you know, how the world operates. And I would literally say like, you know, do you listen to the radio station that your radio advertisements on? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, so did you, why did you make that decision? Was it based on numbers or is it because you listened to that radio station? <laughs> right. Why is your billboard three miles from your house? Or two sure. miles right before your restaurant. Well, because you like to see that sign. So a lot of our decisions are based on ego when it comes to marketing and advertising, and it's not based on science. And in my opinion, that's one thing we've learned, I think, at this point in the world is we got to, I mean, they always say follow the science, but I say follow the science when it comes to advertising. Like, you let let be able to track the dollars. That's, that's and I, I remember talking to every single restaurant owner that I had. They were, I was like, what type of advertising you want to do? 
I want an advertising that can show me the numbers. This is right, how much sure. I'm spending, how much money did I make back? And I'm like, let's go down the line of advertising that you're doing right now. And not one of those things is doing that for you. So that's, yeah. that's a really scary thing. So I guess for you, yeah, I was going to ask you. So for you, you, you bounced in, you knew that social media had to be a, a play, right? Absolutely. In Angelo's. So it's, it's funny that, you know, you talk about that ROI, um, you know, when you meet with investors, when you meet with people that want to get in and we haven't taken on anybody at this point, um, but they always want to know how much do you spend to acquire a customer? And currently it's zero. I don't spend any money on marketing at all. I don't do any paid advertisement. Um, all of it comes from just my social media, my Instagram, my TikTok, um, and then just marketing to my, my people around here, marketing to my neighbors. Yeah. Um, we're all in an excellent location, which doesn't hurt either. Um, but it's so important because when you think long-term, when you're thinking growth and you're thinking at some point we will need to take on some sort of investor. That's how any business grows is that you need more money. You can't just do it all on your own forever. Um, that's a big topic of how much are you spending and then how much are, is, how much do you have to spend to acquire that customer? Right. If that number isn't good, then you're in trouble. Yeah, you're in big trouble. And that's, and, and anytime I, I, you know, I always say like, you know, let me see the doc, let me see the PNL statement. You know, and yep. I start and I'll look and, you know, uh, luckily, you know, I was in an industry prior to the, the marketing industry where I was able to read financial statements and I can look at a financial statement and I can just start picking it apart where I'm like, wow, we got a lot of fat on here, you know, and, yep. and I'm okay with fat, but I like provable fat, you know, what are we getting out of this? And sometimes it's not, sometimes it's not scalable. Like when people talk about social media, right. Just organic, not paid, but organic, the stuff that you're doing right now. Right. Yep. Like. <laughs> they're, they're like, well, how do you measure that? And like, you don't measure, you can't measure organic growth. The only way that you're measuring it is based on the awareness, right? And the community reacting to what you're doing. But at the same time, it's like building a house. You, you got to have that base built and right. consistent all the time and make sure that it's always, it's always taken care of and maintenance. You got to make sure that that's always taken care of. Or when you go into the paid side of things, it doesn't work. Because you Absolutely. can run an ad. I mean, just think about it. If you're if you see an ad, right, and it's something that piques your interest, and then you go to the website or you go to the social media pages, the actual social media page, uh, pages of that product or business or service, and there's nothing happening, the immediate like thing for our generation is we're like, oh, this is a fucking ripoff. This is bullshit. Right. Like, bullshit. right? Like, there's no humanization to it. So this is obviously a ploy to get me to give them something and I'm going to get it. And it's probably made in China and it's going to fall apart in two days. And so. On the, on the food side of things, I was looking at into some CPG products and I was looking into what their online presence looks like. And when you go and you look at their overall Instagram grid, you know, like when girls talk about their, their uh, aesthetic, like overall, yeah, yeah, yeah. overall grid, just what does it look like from picture to picture? Is there a color scheme? What are you looking at? And you look at a lot of these like big time corporations that are doing, whatever CPG product in the grocery store and the grill looks like they've posted the same picture 30 times in a row. And it's sometimes it's not even a picture. It's just a graphic of like yeah. happy 4th of July. Here's, you know, whatever, a hot dog, yeah. <laughs> just something, something that gives you nothing, tells you nothing, doesn't produce any type of feeling. It's just a little thing that you swipe right past and they're dishing out big time numbers for that stupid little nothing. 
to throw yeah, that, that out there into the, into the universe. Yeah. And that's why I always say like, I'm like, you know, we provide that for, for some of our clients and it's mostly for the clients that are just like, we don't have the time to do it. Right. So right, right. what we do is like, we go in and we take pictures, we, we shoot, we shoot videos, you know, obviously they pay for these things, but we do it. Right. And then we also help them and train them and show them, you know, not only through the education stuff that I put out, but also through just the representative that they have be like, look, you know, you guys have got to start doing TikToks. Like you guys have to start doing some of this stuff yourself. You have to get into the, the regimen of doing these things yourself, or you're going to fall behind. And there's no catching up nowadays. You're either there or you're not. So, well, all right, so a brand, you have to have an identity. You have to have a brand yeah. people can identify with and a brand that people like, yeah. um, you know, you can, you can market to certain people, but at the end of the day, you have to have something that you have to have a likability factor um, that comes into it. And if it feels cold and if it feels robotic, then that's not doing anything for you when it comes to your socials. Um, people want something that's genuine and it's really easy to see through the bullshit. It's, that's something that's happening more and more is that people are just seeing through the bullshit of, of the old, the old style of marketing. It's totally going out. Yeah. I mean, our generation's hip to it. We know. And I mean, what, one of the interesting things, it was one of the videos I just put out about TikTok ads. And I was like, one of the things that I'm like obsessed with about TikTok and I love about TikTok is the ads don't look like ads. Like, it's insane. It's fucking genius. It's the yeah. way that it's the way that that marketing should have been done from the get go. And it almost reminds me of like 1970s, 1980s local commercials where they were trying to look professional, but it just didn't look professional. But now yeah. it's like if a, a good ad on TikTok is an ad that you can't even tell it's a sponsored app. And it, right. it, 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 it's, it's genius. And, and like I said, that's the future. Like my personal opinion, I was talking to a real estate, you know, you said your mom's a real estate agent. I was just in a room full of real estate agents talking to them about social media. And one of the things, um, one of the things that I stated to these real estate agents in that room was the future that I believe for real estate agents is that the Zillows and the Redfins, they're all going to start looking at the real estate agents and the mortgage brokers and the title people that have a massive influence, a massive following, a lot of people that are engaging with them and they're going to hire those influencers and those influencers are going to become the new go-to real estate agent because they're always going to need people in that industry, in that business. It's a very, um, it's a very uh, uh, tender um sentimental move and you have to have a lot of people involved in it and there has to be a guide through it. And my belief is that that's the future real estate agent. Everyone always asks, where are they going? That's where that's going. And I believe that restaurants could be the same thing. Yeah. But that's just my opinion. Zillow, Zillow is definitely has got to be a concern for a lot of the people that have been in the industry for a long time. And most of the people that are my mom's era, they have their go-to people, you know, my mom's actually on the title side. My aunt is in, is on the, is, in, is a realtor, and then I was going to be the lender, right? So everybody just would would kind of just like yeah. do that. But um, when it comes down to it, a lot of that, they've done a lot of that relationship marketing, that old school, and especially in Maryland, you know how it is in the county out there. Hmm. It is um, there's a lot of money to be made just off of the, that personal style 
um, of marketing and, and friendships and taking people out to dinners. It, it works that way for a lot of people that's set in that community. But for the people that are just coming up now, and if I was going to go back and start again as a lender, I would focus all of my energy on the young people. I would focus all of my energy on the TikTok generation because those people haven't been tapped yet. And those people aren't the ones that are, that are doing the relationship marketing. They don't want to talk to anybody. People don't even want to use this anymore. I mean, yeah. I can tell you, once I started doing online orders, probably 50% of my orders are people. They just don't want to talk on the phone. They'll pay an extra dollar, $2 not to have a phone call conversation. Absolutely. And it's funny you said that because about the mortgage thing, because a, a, like a really good friend of mine um, is that mortgage guy on TikTok. His name's Scott Betley. And I saw, okay. him, I saw him before he blew up, but he's got probably a half a million followers now. And wow. this dude, yo, this dude's making seven figures. Like, and this all happened in like a year. Uh, I mean, he's, he's crushing it, dude. He's got, I mean, it's unbelievable. And he did it before all the other mortgage guys did it. So he was the guy, he was the one guy who stood out before. And, the name, the and that's all it takes. Yeah. And I mean, now he's got so much business. He doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, it's crazy. So that's just, that's a perfect point. I mean, you didn't even know that. And, and you kind of foresaw it, which is why I know you're going to be successful moving forward. So the, the, Angelo's is set up now, right? You don't do takeout. You, you, it's, it's brick and mortar, obviously. People can so we, we do takeout. We don't do delivery. I'm sorry. You don't do delivery. You do takeout. I don't want to mistake that. Um, it's brick and mortar. People walk in and it's just you and one other person. That's it. I mean, the place doesn't open unless I'm here. I take every single order. Um, I interact with every single customer that we have. Come in, work on the prep in the morning. I'm working on at the end of the night. I'm in here doing the, um, you know, doing the cleanup and everything else. Everything that comes in this place, I either order myself from U.S. Foods or I pick it up from Restaurant Depot. I mean, it really is a one-man show. And I mean, I, I obviously I can't cut out the work that my employee does. He's he's incredible. But um, we make this place run like a like a machine, um, and it's it's incredible. Eventually, I know I'm going to have to hire more help. But I do like my customers to see that not only am I the guy that's doing the marketing and the guy that they saw on TikTok or on Instagram, but I'm also the guy that is talking to them at the register, is answering any questions that they have about the pizzas um, and making the pizzas a lot of the time, too. I'm back there stretching dough. When we get jammed up, I got to stretch dough. I got to hop in, um, you know, working work the pizza line, too. So I'm happy to do it. It's, it's fun for me. I genuinely love it. Have you had any uh, celebrities come in yet? Um, so we've had Freddie Mitchell in. I don't know if you know Freddie Mitchell. He's like a he's a big time Philly celeb when it comes to like local who's who. Um, some of the flyers you hear, they're a little bit more low key. They live in the neighborhood, so um, you know I I don't like do like pictures or, or flex that at all. But yeah, right. Um, actually, a funny story. The, our first week that we were open, um, the GM of the uh, of the Eagles came in, and he's not very well liked in the city of Philadelphia. I mean, he's, he was a great, when I met him, he was a very nice guy. I didn't realize who he was though, because we were masked up at that point. Sure, sure. And, um, I have a pizza that's named the Carson. It's named the Carson after one of my good friends, like the token Irish friend from Little Italy. Sure. But a quarterback here in Philly at the time, Carson Wentz, also not, not a popular figure. And he mentioned to me, hey, uh, Angela, did you name this after Carson Wentz? And I was like, Guy's a bum. I would never name a pizza after him. Meanwhile, 
he was the one that was in charge of the draft for Carson Wentz. Right. So, um, maybe not the best first impression. You sounded like a true Philly fan. Look, I treat the Philly team just like I treat the Baltimore teams. I'm the toughest critic, but when it comes down to it, I, I want to see them win, you know? Dude, don't even get me started, man. Ravens-wise, we've been we've been okay. As the Orioles, you know, as a baseball fan, as, as somebody who went to the last game at Memorial Stadium and the first game at Cannon Yards, it's been a long, long road for the Orioles. It really has been. It really has been. You just got to – Hey, just like in this business, you got to celebrate every win, even if the record's not looking good. You gotta, you gotta look at every win and celebrate it. I think it's just, it's just how baseball is, man. Like baseball, you know. I mean, growing up, like fucking Expos and the you know Blue Jays and the Twins and all. I mean, all those teams sucked for so long, yeah. and then yeah. eventually they came back around. So I think it's just one of those things where like the Orioles eventually, you know, maybe it'll be like ten years from now they're gonna come back around. There was a couple of times that they got close, but uh, it's. I still think we're, we're years off from that. So you, you, the pizza, the, the, the pizza place is operating. Angelo's is operating. You're, you're doing all these things after, after the, the whole barstool thing goes down and you, and you go, all right, we're opening a place. You hire the guy, everything's, everything's going. When did, when did you go? All right, well, TikTok is going to be the place where I'm just, I'm just going to start putting these TikToks out and see what happens. Is that, is that literally what it was? Or were you just like, I should, I, did someone tell you you need to be on there or what was it? So I, I, at first I didn't get right into TikTok. Um, when we were doing the frozen pizzas, I was mainly just using Instagram. Instagram was like my biggest tool. Shortly after we opened up here, we opened in November. I think I made my first TikTok sometime in December. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of try it out. And I was expecting we might hit, I don't know, like 200 views or something. I really, I had no idea what to expect because we didn't have any followers. Yeah. Um, the first TikTok that I put out, it got 210,000 views on it. And Dave Portnoy actually ended up commenting on the TikTok. Um, he was like, I love this dude. Congrats, man. Um, second one got 180. And then, you know, from there, it's all over the place. You know how TikTok is. One day it loves you and it's going to shoot you up to some yep. crazy number. And then the next day it has you just hitting nothing. Really yeah. has nothing to do with how strong the content is, which is the weirdest thing about it. But um, yeah, once I once I saw the value in that, I said, all right, we gotta, we're going to have to push on TikTok too. And I try to do as much as I can, but I'm so busy around here. I'm, making those TikToks and finding that time is like, it's insane for me. It, it feels like, I'm playing arts and crafts when I should be, you know, handling, handling everything I else. I, I, I do it when I can. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's one of those things where um, it, I, it, it's a necessary evil, but it, one of those things where, you know, look, it's giving back to you and it's, and it's, and right now it's really giving back to you. And sure. so you've got to give it attention, right? I mean, like you can, you, you want to be able to ride that wave as much as possible. Trust me, there's people that are trying to chase down 200,000 views on the TikTok, like it's going out of style. So to be able to even get that, you know, right off the bat, and maybe there was a little bit of clout behind it, you know, with, with everything that happened, but that's okay. I mean, that happens, but there's a lot of people that have started it and they don't, they don't have anything. They have no, they don't, they don't have a Portnoy or a, or a athlete backing them or anything else like that. And, and they still do really well. So it's just one of those things where I always continue to tell people, I'm like, just give it a shot, you know, and stick with it and see what happens. But you have the opportunity to really do some awesome stuff. Um, so Instagram does well, 
what what about like some of the older demographic social media platforms like Twitter and like Facebook and stuff like that? Are you utilizing anything like that? Um, so I have it set up that all my my Instagram posts also go to my Facebook page. Um, I don't interact with my Facebook much. Um, I feel kind of guilty because I have a lot of people that are commenting and stuff, and I never like like a comment or I never respond on there. Um, not because you know I I feel bad about it, but it's it's just it doesn't net me the kind of numbers that Instagram does. Sure. Um, it's good to like keep a consistent flow of content going on there, but it's nothing that I'm investing a lot of time into. Twitter, um, I, I started one up and I, I didn't get much much of a push from it initially, and it just kind of lost steam. Um, like I said, when I, when I have everything else to juggle over the course of a week, if I can get that one Instagram post on a day that goes on to Facebook, or that one TikTok that I then share on Instagram, and then it goes that goes to Facebook as well. Um, for now, I'm content with that. I'm not. I'm not obsessed with. Obviously, I I'd love it to blow up. I'd love my TikTok to blow up. I'd love my Instagram to blow up, and it's growing gradually. Um, but at the pace that we're doing, I feel like we're gaining really solid followers that are interacting a lot. They're actual customers in most cases. Yeah, right. And in, in that respect, you know, if it continues to grow at that rate, I'm I'm more than happy with it. Yeah, and I think that's missing nowadays, right? Is that is is I'm kind of happy. I'm not going to say I'm kind of happy, but COVID brought back the the local restaurant business, in my opinion. It, it killed it killed the ones that were probably going to go anyway. They were just hanging on by a thread, right. and they were either not very good business people, or they made some really bad financial decisions, or got way too fat, and it was they were caught off guard, or whatever it was. But right. the carry out, the carry out, and delivery areas did really well and it really was one of those things for local pizza places local you know carry out seafood places those guys flourished in in this market which then kind of said to me like okay cool so pizza places and i I just call them pizza places but a pizza place and you know carry out place is going to be pandemic proof basically at this point like right i mean they're the only businesses that is when it comes to food right Right. Yeah. So it puts you in a position where you're in low cost, you're low overhead, or you try to be low overhead. I mean, the low, any, any lower would be a food truck, right? So right, sure. you're the lowest, lowest overhead and you're selling something that has, again, low, low food cost. I assume with, right, with, right. with, the, with the potential, if it's good potential of a high margin, which yep. your pizzas, I, you know, I, I'm going to have to try it. But I, I'm, I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna put my money on it that it's badass. I'm sure you can freezer send me a pizza or whatever, and I'll, and I'll pay. I mean, obviously I'll pay for it. I don't want it for free, but because I don't like taking free shit. But I, I'll definitely try and be like, oh, there's a reason why they, they don't have to do this. And there's a lot of stuff out there that basically states there's a lot of businesses out there that don't have to really do a lot of advertising because they're a local business that has created such a, such a hold on that specific area that they don't have to do a lot of that stuff that it just happens like you said when you know pre- prior to the uh podcast starting for those that can't see anything there were people trying to get in the door while angela was like sitting there and he's closed and it's like he was like literally like they're they're pushing the door <laughs> trying to get in so that's how you know your food's good bro um all right, so as we as we kind of roll towards the end here, and and I really appreciate you being uh, coming on. Can you give me uh, give me three things 
from an entrepreneurial standpoint, mentality standpoint, for somebody who's, who wants to take that risk, right? That's ready to take that risk. Give me three things real quick that, that you would give to somebody who is, who is ready to jump or is just about to jump or is having a little bit of apprehension with that. So I'd say number one, um, you can't let fear dominate what your actions are going to be. You have to see yourself as being victorious. You have to see yourself as somebody that's going to get it done by any means necessary. Um, two, I would say if you get the momentum, then you have to ride that momentum out. Don't take a break. Don't say, oh, you know, I'm going to take a week off and then come back and look at it later. You have to take that focus and that energy that you have at that time and push that through until you get to where you want to go. Um, and number three, I would say just make sure that you don't give up. Like the only time that you're going to absolutely fall on your face is when you say, I'm done, I'm throwing in the towel. Um, you decide whether or not you're going to fail. You decide whether or not it's over. Um, and if you stick with what you're doing and you believe in it and what you're doing is solid, then you're going to succeed. You just have to keep making those opportunities. Um, you just have to keep hitting those opportunities. You have to see it as an opportunity and you have to go after it. And if you do that, then eventually you're going to find success um, in whatever you love. You got, to, you got to take that love and turn it into a business and, um, and you'll be successful. Yeah. I mean, those are all great tips and that's, and guys, I mean, that's the thing you, you, you've got to understand that you, if you're going to make, if you're going to take that jump and take that risk, you got to be willing to also take the loss if that actually happens. So where can people follow you as well as Angelo's and everything else like that online? Because obviously we want to be able to follow you on TikTok and Instagram. Absolutely. So on Instagram, you can follow me at, uh, the Angelo Pizza. It's just the DHE Angelo Pizza. And on uh, TikTok, you can follow at the Angelo Pizza Philly. And if you want to follow on Facebook, it's the same as Instagram, but um, it's also the Angelo Pizza as well. Awesome, brother. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. And um, well, I mean, we're going to, I can tell you that we're going to come back because, or have you back, obviously, because I'd like to do a part two, um, maybe, maybe like post COVID. I'd love, or I don't want to say post COVID, but like as like, a year i'd like to do like a year follow-up right and kind of see but i'm also like if i if i'm up in philly which i think i'm supposed to be up in philly in a few months i want to come visit obviously and like go in and maybe we can do like an actual like in location podcast episode because i think that would be sick too because i definitely I love to. That, that sounds incredible yeah i think we because I, I want to try the pizzas and and the one thing that i wanted to point out before i let you go is what the chair is it the cherry tomato or that you that you throw into each box that, that that sets everyone apart what is that can you hear me yeah i can hear you angela's taking a break right now he's running to get a plug I 100% recommend um, you guys going to watch these TikToks. There's because we're getting ready to talk about this. There's this cherry tomato thing that he puts in. All right, so we lost Angelo. But here's the good news. I want you guys to go listen to the next episode because I have another really good one coming out. But we're going to have an Angelo part two. I can guarantee you of that. 
Thank you for listening to the Bad Reputation Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and share what you may have learned with someone else today. Remember, your reputation is everything.